I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, since there is a countdown clock for everything these days, we thought we would just remind you of all of the catastrophic crisis cliff uh, that was coming our way when we were dealing with two things, the debt ceiling increase and funding the government. And as we predicted, they punted that until December the 3rd, which if you're scoring at home, we have 43 days left until Armageddon and catastrophe will once again be upon us. And I would also note that no one is talking about the debt ceiling anymore. Why? Because we have 43 days. But as we get closer to those 43 days, then the rhetoric will ramp up again and that we have to do this uh, or catastrophes, calamities, cliffs are all coming our way. And sadly, sadly, our willingness to kick that can down the road and to just completely set it aside in an instant that it was passed and raised Uh, until we get to the next round, is part of the problem and keeps us from having a crucial conversation. Uh, Jonathan Bidlack's from R Street Institute, and he joins us on the line to talk about this idea that the fact that we've done this once again is keeping Congress a very safe distance from the real conversation, which is spending. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. You bet. Thank you for having me. I think uh, I think that's a great point. You know, it, we uh, uh, you know, it, I always like to make the analogy to having a credit card. You know, you can you can ring up that credit card tab and, and then you get the bill in the mail. If you decide not to pay it at that point, you know, the, the problem isn't really that you got the bill. The problem is that you, you went and you spent a whole bunch and, uh, and and rang up maybe more than you might have otherwise been able to. And so um, I think that that's a big part of the problem now is that we focus so much on the fact that that bill comes due uh, and, you know, and, and, and maybe all of the attempts to kind of push it off in the future. But we're not really addressing the underlying behavior that is causing us to constantly be getting those bills in the mail and constantly causing us to, uh, to you know, bump up against that, that debt limit. And so you know, hence, uh, hence we have the same thing uh, over and over again. And I think there's a, a famous saying about what that what we should call that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That kind of insanity is running rampant, I think, in our nation's capital. And uh, as you did some uh, reporting in a, in a piece uh, talking about the debt limit isn't the problem, the spending is. Uh, but you gave us a nice little historical look at 2011 uh, was fiscal cliff time. 2013 was over sequestration. Uh, and a number of us, have we just not learned the lesson or has Congress just become way too comfortable 
uh, with this as a process? Well, you know, I think it's kind of tough because, I mean, first of all, you know, the United States is one of only a couple of countries that even has a process like this. I mean, I think in that piece I cited, you know, Denmark and Poland are the only other two. And, you know, they never really butt up against their limits. So so this is kind of a unique phenomenon in the United States. And, you know, the history is honestly anything, anything but. I mean, you know, we created the debt limit back in 1917, you know, in the middle of World War One to make it easier for the Treasury to issue debt. And so in a sense, I mean, the debt limit was was created to to enable more debt, not to be this restraint. But you know, we've sort of flipped that on its head in modern times, and uh, and you know, made it out like this is the this is the the moment of re- the, the the thing that restrains spending. And you know, the reality is that uh, most countries aren't doing this because they have a better way, which is they restrain their spending based on how much revenue they expect to have. And you know, if they need to borrow to make up the difference, the government has the ability to do that. They don't need to go and take a vote on it. But in the United States, this is really the only mechanism that we have. And frankly, it's the only time we ever seem to really talk about fiscal policy to begin with. And so part of the reason why I think you see these fights so often is because we don't actually ever have this discussion at any other point. Nobody really wants to talk about the finances until, you know, until the house is burning down. Yeah. And I think that's uh, something we've been coming back to the the fact that uh, it, it is the spending that's the problem. Uh, we noted that uh, there was over four trillion uh, came into the Treasury in the fiscal year that ended at the end of September, which was up uh, for, to the largest amount, uh, I think, in like 44 years. Uh, and so clearly it's not so much about uh, what we're bringing in. It's it is that spending problem. Uh, and you gave some some good examples uh going through this idea of the continuing resolution, which is sort of the autopilot kick the can down the road. But those things can be uh, real hazardous to us, both from a national security standpoint uh, and for other critical services. Well, yeah, that's just it. I mean, you know, look, there are there are things that the government does that they uniquely have to do. I mean, you know, national defense being, of course, the probably the top of that list. And, you know, when you're trying to plan for the future, for programs, for for investments, um, it's really hard to do that when you don't know, you know, if the government's going to be shut down, if you're if you're going to get the funding that you need. And so, you know, these these uh, sort of continuing and, and, and kicking in the can down the road, you know, it, it even if it doesn't necessarily increase spending for the moment, um, it creates a whole lot of uncertainty. And, you know, just like just like market participants in the private sector really don't like uncertainty. The same thing goes with with, you know, people who are, for example, you know, managing our national defense and, and concerned about these very real, very real things. And so I think that there are there are all of these consequences that go beyond even just the you know, the, the fiscal issues that we that we talk about so much. Uh, I think those are uh, such uh, an important part of the discussion. And I want to go back to something you said just a, a little bit earlier in these other countries that simply can only spend based on what they actually bring in. I know that seems like a really radical concept uh, because all of us do that around our kitchen tables every day to figure out what's coming in, what's going out, what can we trim, what do we need, what is essential uh, is there any way to change that conversation in Washington to really get down to, hey, look, this is what's coming in. Here's what we can spend. And then more importantly, can we actually start uh, looking at the outcomes of all of these programs that we are spending, not government money, taxpayer money uh, to fund? Yeah, that's a, those are great questions. You know, my belief is that is that generally the way that this is going to happen is when economic reality forces us to make it happen. I mean, you know, a great example of this is, is Sweden, actually. You know, we sort of uh, view Sweden in this country as sort of this, this socialist place with all of these really generous, you know, uh, social social programs. But, but actually, in the mid-90s, 
Sweden faced an entitlement crisis, and you know, unlike their their wealthy neighbors to the uh, to the west in Norway, they don't sit on a ton of oil reserves, and they were forced to basically impose fiscal rules to to govern you know how they uh, how they manage their finances, and and as a result, uh, you know, Sweden of all places is actually one of the one of the best places, one of the most fiscally conservative places, and and the way that they responded both to the the recent coronavirus pandemic, but also the uh, uh, you know the housing crisis, the financial crisis back in 2008, 2009, uh, they responded much, much better than we did in the United States and many places that, that don't have those types of fiscal rules. So, you know, they, they say that necessity is the mother of invention. And I think that the, the way that we're likely to see this start to change is when people, you know, see those, see those consequences in real time. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of concern at the moment about inflation. I think rightfully so. It remains to be seen whether or not that's transitory or going to be something permanent. But, you you know, if it does become permanent, I think that our lawmakers are going to have to think more seriously about all of the dollars that are being spent and about how they're making those decisions about how to spend the, the precious resources that, that we have. And so, you know, that's that's how I think we're going to ultimately get there. And, and it's unfortunate because, of course, we, we do elect policymakers to have a little bit of foresight and uh, supposedly to do the right thing in our interests. But, uh, you know, those their incentives are not, are not necessarily always aligned in, in that direction. Yeah, and that uh, necessity will be a painful necessity. And, and often ends up hurting the poor and the most vulnerable among us uh, the most. And we have 43 days to the next uh, round. Uh, Jonathan, I am sure we will have you back. Jonathan Bidlack uh, joining us from R Street Institute. Uh, always appreciate your perspective. We'll continue to play this one as we move it forward. You bet. Thanks for having me. All right. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, millions of Americans are saying it's quitting time. They're quitting their job and not coming back the next day. What's going on? We'll take a deep dive and a higher look coming up next. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.